the following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. So you're looking forward to the big uh, intern drinks night after our recording session? Well, not really, and I'll explain why. Okay. Yes, because we uh, we did some uh, social distancing with some friends this afternoon uh, in the driveway. Uh-oh. Uh, nobody was closer than 10 feet. And uh, there was um, there were drinks consumed. And right now, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you're all COVID social distanced out. Well, close, but the, the problem was I have this this new vodka that I found. It's a Polish vodka. If everything had been going according to plan right this second, this is a Sunday night, May the 10th, my dad's birthday and Bono's birthday, I was supposed to be on my way to Poland to speak at a conference in Gdansk. And that, of course, got, got canceled. What were you talking about? Cabbage rolls and coffee? <laughs> going to talk about how streaming is ruining music okay and when when that didn't happen i thought okay well this is depressing so i went to the lcbo and i bought a bottle of uh, i think it's called spiritus vodka uh from the city of gdansk it says gdansky right on the label 76.4 percent proof no sorry 76.4 percent alcohol Oh, geez, that, that's one step removed from rubbing alcohol. And it burns. Oh, man. So when my friends were over this afternoon, I you know, naturally, you know how it is when, when you, you're out uh, eating someplace and um, you take a bite of something and you go, oh, this is awful. You should taste it. Oh, geez. It was like that with the booze? That's exactly what it was with the booze. This this is, remember the, uh, the Vietnamese truck stop vodka? Yep. Okay, this is much worse than that. Oh, man. much, much worse than that. So this uh, intern night is going to go swimmingly since you're the one who's the technical director tonight. And not only that, I won't be having a drink because I uh, I can't. Ugh. All right. Just no, not, not, no, no, no. And the other thing that happened is uh, uh, I may have had a brownie yesterday. You may have had a brownie. Yeah. A, a special brownie. Uh-huh. Yeah? What's that got to do with 24 hours later? I had two naps today. That's quite a brownie. It was. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now available in your grocer's dairy case. Ask for yours today. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Featuring musical guest Sting. COVID-19 and, oh, here we go again, the keytar. As we settle into quarantine life, we're apparently picking up a new instrument. Cosmo Music's Mark Hebert joins us to look at the surge in online orders for musical instruments. Plus, why it's never been a better time to become a member of the world's worst intern program. Yeah, that's what you always say. You get to see Alan drunk and hepped up on Benadryl. Oh, God. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Remember how I was talking a couple of weeks ago that we may have dodged a bullet when we went to uh, CES in Las Vegas in January? Yes. And we did not come back sick, even though there were people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Now, a couple of weeks after CES was NAM, the National Association of Music Manufacturers. Uh, I have heard 
that this was in Los Angeles. And I have heard many, 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 many stories of people coming back from that with what they thought was a really bad cold or a case of the flu. And now some of these people are wondering, did I get a version of COVID-19 at NAM this year? I, I'm hearing reports go as far back as November of last year. Yes. So it's distinctly possible this thing's been floating around for a little bit longer uh, than some had anticipated. Well, there's a couple of strains. There's two, well, there's, there's probably close to a dozen strains, but the two big ones are the L strain and the S strain. The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. There is no stopping in the red zone. And the white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. There is no stopping in the red zone. The S strain is the least, or the, the, um... The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. There is no stopping in the red zone. The L strain is the, um... Oh, hang on. Don't tell me which zone is for stopping and which zone is for loading. Listen, buddy, don't start up with your white zone shit again. The S strain is the one that's not as lethal as the L strain. I think I got that right. And uh, what happened is the West Coast... Respect! This would include uh, British Columbia as well. They got the Chinese version. And the East Coast got the European version, which was funneled through Italy. So there are two different strains at work in North America. The Chinese one, which turns out to be the one that's not very, not as dangerous, versus the, uh, the one that came from Italy. So had we caught it in Las Vegas, we would have caught the West Coast version. Probably would have caught the West, yes, we would have caught the West Coast version, which is the one you want to get if you're going to get this. Exactly. Um, I, have to, I have to confess, I, I buckled under the pressure, and after seeing umpteen number of Facebook advertisements for face masks, I dropped 100 bucks and bought three face masks, one for each of the family members, and a bunch of filter replacements. Are these N95s? Uh, allegedly 99s. Oh. As in filter out 99% particles. The N the 95 and N95s that it filters out 95% of particulate matter when you inhale. And that's what you need to be able to capture the, the COVID on your mask, which is another reason why when you take off your mask, you immediately have to wash your hands and anything you touch. Right. But this one claims to be 99. And like, how do you, how do you even really know? But between dropping a hundred bucks a month ago on masks in the hopes of getting them by now, which I won't get for another month, I figured let's try this Facebook thing. People are making out like bandits, I'm sure. Yeah, I have a friend who is in the import export business in Singapore, and normally he deals with spices and foodstuffs. Uh, he has flipped to medical masks. So what do you make of this idea that while we're all stuck in the house under COVID-19 quarantine, that people are picking up an instrument? I've heard many people say that they're doing that. Uh, the friends that were over this afternoon drinking my bad Polish vodka, the woman has been taking guitar lessons because she can't go anywhere, might as well do something. So she got herself an, uh, an acoustic guitar and is taking tutorials on YouTube. So that's just one example. And she's in her 50s. So I can't, I, I can't imagine the number of people, especially young people, who may have been prompted by this the boredom of isolation to finally pick up an instrument and at least learn the basics of it or at least hack around with it mm -hmm. one of the most important things about picking up a musical instrument you can take um 
formal lessons, which is fine and which is encouraged. But some people skip right past that. They have the ability to somehow get pleasing sounds out of the instrument without knowing what they're doing. And they don't realize that they're making mistakes. They don't realize that they're doing it wrong. They don't realize that these sounds aren't supposed to be coming out of that thing, but they don't care because it sounds good and it feels good. And that's where advances in music come. But at the same time, there is a reason why we have a structure to everything we do in formalized music training. Like I even remember back when I was taking piano lessons, the, the issue, of course, was that you had to make sure that you had your fingers in particular positions because we learned over the course of, what, two, three hundred years of, of pianos that this was the most efficient and effective way uh, to play. And I can only imagine it be the same for guitar and the same for drums even. And, and you even taught drums, so you would know that. Yeah, uh, but then there were people that came into the studio. to What they had been doing is uh, learning on their own. And so they had a basic feel for how to play, but they didn't know the theory behind it. And it's always good to know the theory behind it in some, in most cases, because that way you can analyze other people's playing and know exactly what they're doing and then modify that or steal that into and, and incorporate that into your style. Yeah, it's a variation of that conversation we had about one of those broadcaster tricks when you first start out. Mimic someone whose um, read you like, figure out what they did right, and then make it your own once you've figured that all out. Right, and and music theory would help you figure out exactly what Jimi Hendrix is, is trying to play. Year-over-year -year searches on Reverb.com. MIDI keyboard searches are up 171%. We're seeing searches for drum machines up 125%. On Splice, which is that uh, uh, website that sells loops for people who are DJs and stuff like that, top five genres, hip-hop, trap, pop, R&B, and house. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, what's trap? Uh, called a form of hip-hop. Okay, because it means something completely different in the porn world. Uh, yes. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about no. at all? Okay, something completely different. But what was really interesting in this RollingStone.com article is that we are seeing an incredible jump in uh, purchases, online purchases. Uh, music retailer Sweetwater says that uh, uh, they're getting 500,000 visitors a day, and that's about double of what they normally see. I wanted to make this Canadian, though. And so for some insight into whether or not this is just a, a unique phenomenon elsewhere, I wanted to turn to the man who's responsible for shepherding Cosmo music through uh, COVID-19. It's this music superstore in Richmond Hill, Ontario. They got 200 people working there. And uh, you know, you and I have broadcast from there more than once and we've done the show live. Yep, I'm a big fan of Cosmo music. It's a, it's a great, <laughs> it's a dangerous place to get lost in if you're a musician because there's just so much cool stuff. I remember last time we were live there for Cosmo Fest, you come to me and you go, can I put something in your trunk? <laughs> yeah, I bought a drum kit. I bought an electronic drum kit. <laughs> it sat in my garage for like a week. Yeah, and now it's in my basement. Joining us now is Cosmo Music's Mark Hebert. Mark, thank you for joining us. Anytime, guys. Are you seeing a similar sort of thing in Canada, like a big uptick in these online orders for musical instruments like never before? We're seeing an absolute uh, phenomenal uptick in online purchases. So we're at we're ranging any any time between eight to times what we normally would do. How many? What? What? We said what? Eight? Eight, eight? eight to ten times what we would normally do in, wow. a, in a in a given week under normal circumstances. And what are they buying? Um, everything that you that that was mentioned in that Rolling Stone article is is kind of what they're buying. But what's the big thing? 
two things would be interfaces, so uh, recording interfaces, uh, small keyboards, so small portable keyboards, and another one would be guitars. So lots of beginner guitars, so exactly uh, what, what Alan was referring to earlier. Uh, people are, are deciding now they've got time at home and they're picking up a guitar and they're starting fresh, which is fantastic. So a lot of bedroom recordings, you would assume, going on. Tons of podcasting as well, oh. podcasting equipment. I mean, there's some really good stuff from a company called Rode. But I, I am talking to you through a Rode NT1 as we speak. So we're sold out of Rode NT1s and almost all forms of Rode podcasting microphones. And not only are we sold out, the Canadian supplier is sold out as well. The thing I love about the road uh, is that they've got a bunch of podcaster friendly products. They've got the USB microphone. Uh, the, the podcaster is the name of it. Um, and it's a front address microphone, which means you can get really nice and tight and close and all super sexy. But um, also the, the, they've got a, a new console. Uh, what is it called? The, the, the Procaster or the pa Roadcaster? Right. And, and this is basically a mixing console for all to end all mixing consoles for podcasters, because you can if your buddy says, no, sorry, I can't join you in person. Yeah, it's a, it's a you can plug your phone into the thing and talk to them via Bluetooth. And it does all the mix minus that you need that any recording engineer would know all about. Okay, How much? Well, that's about 800 bucks, isn't okay, it? Well, you know. If you're a professional, that's not a bad deal. Well, hey, w watch it, pal. Just don't, don't keep me talking about uh, it because uh, we just might get one for the big show. Yeah. Well, no, you might get one for your studio. So then what's your best advice for picking uh, the, the top-notch recording interface? When, when you need a recording interface, what are we looking for here? I think you really it really depends on the level of quality you want in, in your interface and, and the level in which uh, you require the end result to be. Uh, I mean, a professional person is not going to be buying uh, an inexpensive $129 recording interface. Uh, they're going to be in, in the multi-thousands of dollars. Well, what separates them? Just the, the quality of the audio, the latency in a lot of these devices. Um, to a certain degree, the brand as well, uh, being a quality brand and knowing it's going to last and not go down on you. So equipment failure is a big, is a big reason why people will spend more money on a... On a uh, upper level device you're going to pay a higher premium for something that that is built in, in such a way that it's not going to have any any failure points within the device itself okay so let's move on to number two you mentioned portable keyboards now are we talking about the keytar here because i i have a oh, feeling covid the keytar. It's, all, <laughs> it's always the keytar with you it's coming back man we have sold some keytars we have sold lots of keytars recently but no i'm talking about the the basic casio or yamaha portable keyboards uh, like the small plasticky feel kind of keyboards that, that you hate to have a student learn on, but it's a good thing to play around with. And that's something that you can plug into your computer, right? Um, some of them you can, some of them you can't. Depends on if they have the proper interface uh, or attachment like USB. Do you think that maybe those are parents buying keyboards for their kids just so they can hack around while they're in isolation? 100%. That's exactly what it is. Well, so long as the kids aren't required to take piano lessons, because I got to tell you, it was like pulling teeth trying to get me to take those lessons. <laughs> What do you think of, of the, the online lessons that, that, you know, Alan was mentioning that he's got friends who are, who are taking guitar lessons via YouTube. What, what should we be looking for in a good guitar teacher? Uh, yeah, th that's actually a good question. I mean, YouTube is, pro you know, it's an okay way to learn, uh, but the, what it lacks is accountability and structure. 
So it, it, it really leaves it in the hands of the student to conform to watching those videos once on a weekly basis or on a consistent basis. Really, you need a form of accountability and hooking. The best way to do that is hooking up with uh, any retailer who's offering online lessons. So that way you get access to a teacher from home over Zoom or a different kind of platform. And it's structured and every week you get a new, a new lesson. Uh, and the teacher teaches you new stuff and you feel accountable to them. So you end up developing your skills at a much more quick pace. Yeah. It's always good to have somebody yell at you for not practicing. That's it. <laughs> That's uh, I, you know, when, when I was taking my lessons, that was the thing I tried more than anything else is to avoid being yelled at because I didn't, I didn't practice enough. Yeah. It, it sounds like a variation of why you get the trainer at the gym. Otherwise yeah. you're just not going. Yes. It's exactly what it is. Yes. Exactly the same. Yeah. So that's that's a very fascinating thought, the, the idea that, sure, you could turn to YouTube, but you need that kick in the pants from time to time. You need a certain consistency. We all need structure. And an actual teacher would be able to provide you that in a way that a series of YouTube videos couldn't. Which leads me to my, my next question. Are you concerned at all, much like the pet store is concerned the day after Easter, about a flood of bunnies being returned? Uh, it's, it's already happening. So we already have all sorts of gear that's being returned. Uh, but I think most retailers having seen the online bubble and purchases, uh, the, I'd say the percentage of returns to sales is actually less than what it was prior to COVID-19. Oh, so volume is up, but on a apples to apples basis, you actually aren't seeing greater returns. Yeah. I, I, and I think it kind of, uh, it kind of lends itself to the previous talk we were just having about learning instruments and having time uh, because people are at home. I think people, once they get these these instruments at home, they actually have time to use them. So unlike in a normal circumstance when where they get a guitar or a keyboard at home and within a week or so they realize, you know what, I picked up once, I don't think I want to play this anymore, and they return it. Instead, they're actually playing it, uh, which is a great thing because it's developing musicians right across the country. I heard in L.A. that the studios are bracing for a massive onslaught of bookings later this year <laughs> because so many people have been at home working on music and come the fall when things hopefully will be a little bit more normal, they'll be so busy with these people making records that they won't know what to do. The A&R guys will be up to their armpits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if they weren't doing live performances online. Yes. Are you guys doing the online lessons? Uh, yeah, we do have online lessons. Oh, hey, now, did you always do online lessons or was this something that came as a result of COVID? This coincidentally, our online lessons literally started about a month and a half before the COVID-19 outbreak. So what have you learned about online lessons versus in-person lessons? Um, there, it's very hard to get people to understand that it's okay to take an online lesson with, with a teacher. So to get past that hump of, uh, it's kind of like the, the same hump of getting people to go and purchase something online. Back when buying things online wasn't a thing, um, people were skeptical about it. And I think it's the same thing with a lot of the service markets now, whether it be music or uh, physical trainers, uh, stuff like that. It's, it's that hump. So getting people past the hump. But once people try it and they start taking a few lessons, they actually quite enjoy it. What are the results taking things online versus 
talking to somebody face to face. Are you seeing the same kind of results? I don't know if there's bit, if we've had enough of a large, a large enough test bed to, to have that kind of metric yet. Right. It'd be interesting to, to know, you know, what the difference is between, you know, people sort of graduating from level to level uh, virtually versus an in-person scenario. And I suppose it also ties into the, this whole conversation that we generally seem to be having about post-COVID-19, how much of our world will change forever. Do you see online lessons continuing to see that success rate or that 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 adoption rate or do you anticipate that once we get the all clear and we can all come out from our bunkers that we'll just go back to in-person lessons in your store type of thing yeah i think i think in-store lessons are going to be something that's actually going to be delayed even further past uh the retail store being open. No, but I mean, like, let's, let's say five years from now, we, we talk we, we talk so much about, you know, this is going to change everything forever. And I am highly skeptical of that. I think five to 10 years from now, we can look back at COVID-19 and count on maybe one or two hands, the number of major changes that society has seen since then. Do you expect that COVID is going to have a long-term impact on the way you do business? Uh, in general, in the way we do business, uh, 100%. So in the in the case of lessons, I think it's introducing a lot of people to that option, which is online lessons, and it's much more convenient. So I think that will continue. And I uh, I actually thought before COVID-19, this, this was the potential future of music lessons, and that's why we started investing in the platform that we did. Uh, I think retail is the same way. Um, I think people are seeing how easy and fast it is to buy products online. Uh, fast might be a, a bad term to use during the COVID-19 crisis because postal carriers and most other couriers were were significantly delayed. And that's a huge issue we're seeing in, uh, in the online retail world. But I think it's introducing a lot of people uh, to the fact that it's easy to buy musical instruments online. It's easy to return them if it's not what they like, and they can pick something else that they do like. So I think people were skeptical about that, and I think this has kind of uh, edged up the adoption rate of that a little bit. I can't wait to see what kind of music comes out of all this. You have a lot of artists who are cooped up with nothing better to do than to create art. It's going to be EDM and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be great. Cosmo Music Fest, an annual pilgrimage for music fans in Ontario. And, and an opportunity to, to meet rock stars. You know, Getty Lee was there last year, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and Dave Grohl showed up. And with Dave Grohl, and, you know, we, we got shots of that live as that was happening on our live stream. Um, and I can only imagine that it's a, a huge opportunity for you from a financial perspective. What percentage of your revenue, if you don't mind me being nosy, came courtesy of Cosmo Music Fest and... What are you doing as a result of not being able to put it on this year? Revenue isn't really a driver for why we do Cosmo Fest, but I'm happy to give you the numbers. Uh, we probably do maybe 1% of our revenue on that day. Uh, so it, it is a big sale day, but really what the goal is to is to meet new customers, give our current customers an opportunity that they can't have um, on any other day. So from a concert, from the sale, from interactions with with rock stars and autograph sessions it's really about kind of giving back to our current customers and exposing new customers to the store that's really what the day is about only one percent of your revenue is because of this massive event 
Yeah. Now there is there is a trickle effect on that, of course. So all of these new customers that we meet on on that amazing day, uh, if they're first time uh, shoppers in the store, or if they've never even been in the store and aren't even shoppers, uh, it exposes them to the store, and they become customers in the future. So there, we don't like to say we don't like to look at the sales on that day because the the expenses uh, significantly outweigh. Uh, any kind of gross profit that we have on that day. It's a, it's a huge money loot. I, I can see, you know, you have to worry about parking. You have to worry about that tent. You got to worry about that stage. You got to worry about extra staffing. You got to worry about everything. It's, it's, it's huge. Hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's, it's not small. So what are you doing instead? Instead of, oh, for this year, for, yeah, you know what? We don't know what we're doing instead yet. Uh, but the artist lineup, actually, I don't, I can't confirm that yet, but we're hoping to have the same artist lineup next year that we had booked for this year. It's You know what? I got a sneak peek in that, and I'm not going to let anything loose, of course, but that was quite the lineup. You're not going to do something virtually. You're not going to do a virtual meet and greet or anything like that. You're just going to you know write it off and move on. There is nothing planned now for that. Um, maybe had we been a little bit slower in our online retail and had hadn't had to all go crazy, kind of satisfy our, our online customers. Maybe that we would have had time to plan something like that, but unfortunately we haven't had that time. So at this point in time, there's nothing set to replace that. Alan, he's too busy raking in the big bucks. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> the COVID bucks. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the, a lot of the sales that we're doing now are on Amazon. Uh, so we, where we, we would normally do a, a large percentage of our sales uh, on our own website. Uh, it's kind of flipped and we're doing more sales on the in the within the Amazon marketplace now. I mean, we're a reseller there, so people are actually buying it from us. What's their take? Uh, their take is significant, significant enough that it, it's painful. Significant enough that you won't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's public knowledge that the the take the general take that they they have on, in our industry, so on musical instrument products, is fifteen percent. Ooh, that is heavy. Yeah, in in an already very low margin industry. Right. What makes it a low margin industry? Part of it is due to it's a the industry is a lot of uh, hobbyists who get into business in the musical industry. So most music store owners were pre- previously musicians. Uh, they're not business people. It's not a corporate kind of kind of thing. I mean, there's the big behemoths like uh, like Guitar Center. Um, I mean, Chuck Chuck was a musician at Sweetwater, so he 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 kind of grew up in this world, but. It's typically uh, people who are really just doing it out of a passion and love for music and aren't thinking of it from as a business uh, or as a moneymaker. Uh, so a lot of those people um, are willing to sell things for less money or you know, kind, of, it kind of erodes margin. And it kind of plays into the, to what the suppliers can, can, uh, can set prices at, like map prices. Right. So precedent's been set. If you guys had some savvy business musicians in the early days of the music store industry, you would have had higher margins from day one and the world would have just have become, become accustomed to spending three times the amount on an accordion than they actually do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I think if most of the, similar to most other retail, like fashion, if most of the MI retail uh, chains were large conglomerates and it had become corporate corporate i think everyone would be paying much higher prices right now fascinating conversation mark thank you so much for your time anytime terrific mark hebert is the president and ceo of cosmo music he joined us from his home in richmond hill 
London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Our good buddy, a friend of the show, Marty Steele, who is also a member of the world's worst intern program, just jacked up his contribution on a episode by episode basis by an additional dollar, my friend. Oh, so we're, we're pulling in eight bucks an episode from Marty himself. Well, <laughs> thank you. Uh, this is the guy who's going to get us uh, onto the floor of the Horseshoe Tavern once the COVID-19 restrictions are lifted and we can actually do an in-person show again. Right. Thank you for that. Uh, we do need to do another in-person thing, but we got to wait until everything kind of settles down. Meantime, we've got uh, this. We're about 30 minutes away from our intern drinks night. Are, are, are you are you going to be OK? I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm going to load it up here in just a second. Uh I just, ha- we got a heart out. Uh, it's, it's, it's gotta be. You have Bob's burgers to watch. I have Bob's burgers and family guy to watch. And that is non-negotiable. I haven't watched family guy in years, but on the YouTube, there are uh, compilations of the best moments of each season. And there are, my favorite are the compilations of the cutaways of the gag. Yeah. The cu- cutaways are the best parts. Yeah, the cutaways are the best parts. They have nothing to do with the plot line. Plot lines are relevant anyway. And so the compilations, the cut lines, get me through entire seasons in no time flat. Trust me, you're not missing anything by waiting for some jamoke on YouTube to come to compile a, a collection for you. I'm fine. I, I enjoy watching the program. Shut up. My wife hates it, by the way. She says, I don't like the voices. The voices bother me. Tim Heron uh, says that he's in for our big drinks night. Um, he says he can't buy into watching PVR Mask Singer episodes anymore. No. I, I have no idea what that show's all about, but uh, yeah, not even on that. So at I'm all. signing in here. I'm just making sure that it's all here. I'm amazed at the number of uh, listeners we've got who are not in the Eastern time zone. Antoinette Vanden Dickenberg among them saying that that's 1 a.m. her time. She's not going to be able to join us. Scott Coates. He's a longtime fan of the show. He said that uh, he's not going to be able to watch because it's not uh, his time of the, of the day. And Mike Tweedy, uh, who hails all the way from Burlington, Ontario, says he can't join but have fun. Why did you not make the waiting room available? Boom. If you create a waiting room f- functionality within Zoom, um, people can't join the conversation without you manually inviting them in. I know. Maybe I don't want everybody in. Maybe I want to be God. Maybe I want to be the doorman, the guy at the velvet rope. But it's only for the interns. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, there may be some interns I don't like. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you, something tells me that uh, truck stop whiskey or whatever it was that you had earlier at the end of the driveway. No, it's it's, it's the Benelman now. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's uh, popped up on Goofball. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.